You are listening to the weekly podcast from Journey Christian Church. For more information about Journey, please check out our website at journeychristian.com. We are a community of fully devoted disciples of Jesus who reach out to love our neighbors, serve the hurting, and develop leaders for ministry. We're going to kick off this series, as you saw, Saved by the Bell, and it's back to school season for so many people in our community. Maybe, maybe you don't have kids, but it will affect you because buses will slow traffic down. One way or another, you are impacted. And, and here's what I know when it comes back to school. I think, it is, I think it is our job, I think it is our privilege to pray for our teachers and educators and support staff. So if you are in the education system in any way, shape, or form, we want to pray for you. Would you go ahead and just stand right where you're at? Just stand. It's okay. Loud and proud. Stand where you're at. Stay standing. Stay standing. Stay standing. Okay. I'm going to pray for you, so stay standing. All right. First teacher. Ah, ah, ah. Teacher didn't say sit down. Yeah. I got, yeah. Yeah. It's different now, ain't it? Yeah. See me in my office. Okay. Here's what I know. I don't know, congregation, I don't know what you know, but let me tell you what I know. I know that these educators are bright lights in a dark place. And listen, educators, you're not going into the school year. We as a church, we're going to send you in the name of Jesus. And we're going to pray for you. We're going to encourage you. We want to bless you. And we are so thankful you are on the front lines of reaching this community. And we don't take that lightly. You're not a teacher. You're a missionary and you're being sent. Amen? Amen. Let me pray for God. We thank you. God, we know that it is not easy in this day and age to be a teacher, an educator. And so, God, we pray that they don't go to school this week. We send them in the name of Jesus. We thank you that they're not doing a job. They are doing a mission to be a bright light and to shine your glory for all to see. So, God, I pray, would you go ahead of them? God, I pray that you, uh, would you give them opportunities to Show your kindness, your grace, your love, your peace, your joy. I pray you give them supernatural patience. God, I pray you give them just supernatural favor to connect with kids that maybe are completely disconnected, that want to check out. And we know the stats of kids that, that don't finish high school. It's not good. So God, I pray, would you collectively help them pass the baton from one teacher to another to be able to see kids not just survive high school, but thrive. But God, if they do all that apart from you, it's still not enough. So would you weave yourself and your glory in and out of their lives? And so God, we love you. We thank you. It's in Jesus' name. And the church said, amen. 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 Hey, thank you, teachers. <laughs> Grateful for you. Listen, if you knew my relationship with teachers growing up, you would never think I would ever clap one of them, okay? <laughs> God has done a work. God has done a work. Um, we're in this series called Saved by the Bell, and, I, and I, know, I know there's just somebody that's waiting. They're dying to meet me after the service, or they're dying to email me like, hey, pastor, listen, you lost your mind. We're, we're not saved by some bell you're talking about. We're saved by grace, okay? <laughs> listen, I'm just telling you, you don't need to see me. I already know we're saved by grace. Saved by the Bell is one of the, if not the number one TV sitcom in the early 90s. How many of y'all know about Saved by the Bell? Come on, a lot of believers in the house. Y'all love some, some Zach, some Kelly, 
some screech. Yeah. So if you don't know, 1989, a show uh, called Saved by the Bell came on, and, and we're just going to look through, uh, we're going to look at different high school subjects through the lens of the Bible throughout this series, and excited to dive in. We have a series, memory verse, I want to challenge you to memorize. Psalm 32, 8, it says this, says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. So we are, we are being taught by something, either the world or by God. We're being taught something by someone and God's saying, listen, I'm gonna teach you in the way you should go. I know a better way and I'm going to teach that to you. And here's the key word, should go. God's not gonna force you to go anywhere. That's the beauty of God. But he's saying, listen, listen, I have a better way. You can do whatever you want, but I know a better way and I'm gonna teach you the way that you should go. And how can we trust him? Because his counsel, he counsels us with a loving eye on us. He, he's not this some um, uh, military drill sergeant that just wants to stomp on us and we mess. That's not, it's a loving eye. And sometimes we can get our view of God uh, kind of off center. God lovingly wants to teach us. So we're gonna, um, we're gonna say this together, everybody online, Lake County, Apopka, let's say this on the count of three. Here we go, one, two, three. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. Psalm 32, eight. Awesome, that, that, was, that was really good. You guys are gifted. This is a gifted class, I like it. Let's do it one more time, loud and proud. Here we go, one, two, three. I will instruct you and teach you the way you should go. I will counsel you with a loving eye on Come on, come on. Come on. You guys are on fire. I love it. So today's class that we're going to talk about is history, a.k.a. his story. Now, I can't think of history class without thinking of my history teacher growing up, Okay. I had the same teacher my freshman and sophomore year. I know what y'all are thinking. That's called failing, okay? No, 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 that's not, that's not what happened. My teacher moved up, okay? So, but I ended up having the same teacher two years in a row, freshman, sophomore year. So she knew me. And these are what I call BC days before Christ, okay? So she, I, I get her and, and she was fun and she was funny and she was, she was a great teacher. And then I graduate high school, I'm in college, she doesn't know anything about my life. She doesn't know that I'm a Christian planning on going into ministry. And one of the things she doesn't know is that my family owns a Christian bookstore. True story, my history teacher comes in the Christian bookstore. She sees me, because it's my family's bookstore, has no idea the connection, not exaggerating. She falls to her knees. She throws her hands up and screams, oh Lord, I done something right. Dustin Agar's in a Christian bookstore. <laughs> I kid you not. I get off. What are you doing? You're embarrassing. Get up on the floor. This is my family store. Oh, Lord, he's even got a store. I love how she took all the credit of, of leading me to Christ. Love it, love it. So that's my history teacher. And I'll tell you this, teachers, you, you know you have an impact. I promise you, it's bigger than you think. It's bigger than you think. Your influence is bigger than you think. So we're gonna talk about history today. What I wanna do is I wanna unpack the history of the Bible. And really there's four major themes in the Bible and, and this is called the meta-narrative 
of the Bible. And what that means, a meta-narrative, and we have a definition here, is a meta-narrative is a collection of stories all telling one bigger story. So when you open up the Bible in any verse in any story, when you open it, you might read one story, but that one story is a part of a bigger story that God's telling. So there are four themes to this meta-narrative of the Bible. The first theme is this, creation. God created. I tried to do my best God and create this Lego car. How many of y'all like Legos? Yeah. That, everybody that didn't have the hand up is judging me. Okay, it's okay, it's okay. So it's a Lego car. I, I, I created this. But the difference between me and God, there's a lot, but the major difference in this creation is when I bought this set, it came with all the pieces and it came with the instructions. But you see, when God created, he didn't have pieces, he didn't have instructions. Our God is a creative God. He created just by speaking. This is what it says, Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The very first book of the Bible is Genesis, which means beginning. So even just right there, we as believers, we believe that God created the beginning. You're gonna hear a lot of other stuff outside of Christianity, but what we believe is God created it and God was the beginning because he's the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end, period. Genesis 1.26, 27 says, then God said, let us make mankind in our image and our likeness. So God created mankind in his own image and the image God created them, male and female, he created them. So God created you. Everything you've seen, the heavens and the earth, everything. Listen, he didn't just create everything. Some of y'all, this is a little hard to swallow. He created everybody. Some of you are like, nah, no, 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 you don't know my neighbor. Somebody else created, no, no, God created them in his image. And it's not God's job to change your neighbor. It's, God, it's, it's our job to change our eyes and see our neighbor the way God created him. I love Legos. I love creating them. I'm amazed that God created something out of nothing. Here's what I know about God. When God creates, you see all these Legos, it's really cool, but these were created in mass production. God doesn't create in mass production. He handcrafts each and every one of you. You're not, you're not a result of just mass production. You're not a result of just happenstance. You are created in the image of God. And he looks at you and he smiles. Ephesians 2.10, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the things he planned for us long ago. I want you to just go ahead and turn to your neighbor and say, you're a masterpiece. Turn to your other neighbor and say, you're a masterpiece. Now listen, listen, if this worked right, there were some single people that came in and you sat next to a pretty girl and I just hooked you up. I hooked you up. Listen, you got to close the deal. I just opened the door. Now you got to walk through it. You're like, I don't know how to talk to women. Maybe I'll just give God a chance. And God says, listen, I'll take care of you. Okay. Lake County, I don't know what's going on there, but sparks are flying in a popka. Listen, you are a masterpiece. It's not just a pickup line, it's truth. 
And we hear this a lot. I don't want you to hear it. I want you to receive it. You see, every time we act out of insecurity, what we're doing is we are rejecting the idea that we're a masterpiece. And so a lot of people hear it, but they don't receive it. You aren't an accident. You're not a mistake. You aren't trapped in the wrong body. You don't have the wrong skin color. You aren't the wrong size. You are made in the beautiful image of God. Period. Regardless of what anybody wants to tell you, you are made on purpose for a purpose. And because we are in school, you you didn't know this and you didn't like it back then, you're not going to like it right now. We got a pop quiz right now. Good news, it's open book, okay? Good news, open book. So here, three questions on the pop quiz. Who created you, loud and proud? Lake County Online, I want you to join us in this. Does God make mistakes? No. No. What does God make? You're a little hesitant, okay? You need to study. You need to study. God doesn't create accidents. You are his masterpiece. Psalm 139, 13, for you were created in most being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. One of the biggest questions mankind asks is, what is my purpose? And if we don't ask the creator, any other answer is going to be wrong. So you could ask anybody or anything, but... For me, I want to go right to the source, my creator. God, what is my purpose? Psalm 102.18 says, Every generation from the first to now to the last has a singular purpose, to bring God glory. That's, that's your purpose, to bring God glory. And there's a conversation in the New Testament, and Jesus says, Listen, even if the disciples didn't shout my praises, these rocks would cry out. Everything points to the glory of God. Genesis chapter 1 and 2 can be summed up in a Hebrew word, shalom, which means peace. See, Genesis 1 and 2, there was God's perfect peace and presence hovering over the whole earth. Everything was working just according to plan. Andy Stanley says it good. He says, God created the world, filled it with goodness, and handed us the keys. So the first pillar that we have is creation. It's the very first thing. There's four pillars that we're talking about. First one is creation. And, and as I told you, I created, I built this Lego car. And really the second pillar is, yeah, the second pillar in the Bible is the fall. Some of you are like, oh my goodness, are they okay? They're, it's Legos. I don't know what to tell you. Like, <laughs> I see the, the compassion, like, y'all are so compassionate. No many figures were hurt during, the, during this stunt, okay? <laughs> Just tell you right there, no many figures were hurt. You see, it didn't take long after creation for us just to fall and shatter into pieces. Uh, October 2011, Central Florida got a brand new theme park, Legoland, Florida. My family and I, we got to go on opening weekend. It was incredible. I don't know if you've ever been to Legoland. I loved it. It was great shows, great rides. But the number one attraction is all the sculptures that are literally life-size or bigger, all made of bricks anywhere and everywhere throughout the park. And then we came upon this one gas station. It was a life-size gas station, completely made out of bricks with a a life-size Ford Explorer SUV, completely made out of bricks, right in front of it. 
And, and, and what was happening this, uh, in this uh, gas station is there was a serviceman filling up, completely made of bricks. The serviceman was filling up with gas. Everything's made of bricks. And there's no rope because everything is a hands-on attraction. So there's a kid, maybe 10 years old. He didn't do anything wrong. He wasn't a troublemaker. He just went to touch this hands-on attraction. As he touched the left arm of the serviceman, the complete arm just fell off and it just shattered. And the kid's traumatized. He's still in counseling. <laughs> and I remember seeing that with my family. And I, was, I remember thinking like, man, can you imagine? The workers spent so long, the employees, the artists, so many people spent so long getting ready for opening day. They, they put all this time and energy and planning and money to make sure everything was great. And literally on opening weekend, it falls and crashes. And that's not too different than... You and I's story. You see, in Genesis, it was pretty much opening weekend, and yet they crashed and burned. Genesis 2.16, God says to Adam and Eve, you are free to eat any tree in the garden, but do not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. Some of you are like, listen, pastor, I would never do that. And I believe you, you're like me. You don't like fruit, okay, amen. We would never do that, I get it, I get it. But we have unholy people here that would do that, okay? So the truth is all of us sooner or later would crash and burn, Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. You see, it didn't take us long after opening weekend. God gives us the keys, we're behind the wheel, and then we just make a mess of things. You see, God gave us directions on how to drive the car. Let me just pause there. Men, let me get your attention real quick. These are directions, okay? <laughs> I'm in the same boat as you. We only go to these when we don't know what else to do. But God says, listen, don't go to this. Don't go to this when you're stuck and trapped. Go to this on day one. And when you go to this, I know, I know how to help you with every traffic Situation. I know how to help you manage every marriage, every relationship, every scenario, every emotion. It's just right here. Don't read it once you need to. Read it ahead of time so you don't need to. Amen? God's like, listen, I got the directions, but no matter how much we follow the directions, sooner or later, we're still going to drive the car off the cliff. We're going to wreck our lives, which is why we get to the third pillar. There's creation. There's the fall. And the good news is the third one is redemption. Redemption. Redemption is the promise of God to deliver us from the power and presence of sin. Did, did you know that God didn't just die on a cross to forgive you, but that you literally, you can be removed from the power and the presence of sin? I'm not saying all sin for the rest of your life forever. We can't just completely be perfect, but we are being sanctified, which means the longer that I follow Jesus, the more like him I become. Do we understand that? The more we follow Jesus, it changes the way I talk, changes the way I act, changes the way I think. That's sanctification. The more I follow Jesus, I don't use the same tongue to curse people. I use it to encourage people. I use it to bless people. I used to be closed-handed before I followed Jesus, but the more I follow Jesus, the more I'm open-handed and generous. I don't have to try to be. That's what this last series was. It just happens when you follow Jesus. It releases the power and presence of sin in our lives. We need redemption. Here's the benefits of redemption. 
eternal life, forgiveness of sin, righteousness, adoption into God's family, deliverance from sin's bondage, peace with God, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Being redeemed then is to be forgiven, holy, justified, freed, adopted, and reconciled with God. We are redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. We are redeemed by the death, resurrection of Jesus Christ. Let me illustrate it this way. This is not a true story, but there's a story about this, what you might think a perfect family and the the wife thought it was a perfect family. She had everything she, she wanted, everything she prayed for. She had this big, beautiful home. She was married to her dream husband. She's got three kids. Everything's going her way. She's even got a brand new car. And then sadly, husband ends up passing away. And now she's stuck with all the finances. She can't make it. She starts selling stuff. And then all of a sudden, the tow truck comes to repossess her car, brand new car. And the neighbor sees the tow truck before the new single mom does. And the neighbor goes and talks to the tow truck driver, says, what's going on? Inquires. He gets the financing on the phone. By the end of the week, he takes care of the bill. Listen, not just for that month. He paid the car off whole. Whole. You see, that tow truck driver had every right to take the car. The financing still owned it. And he would have unless somebody else stepped in and stepped up. That's what Jesus did. We had every right. We are the ones that drove the car off a cliff. We had every right to be down here on our hands and knees picking things up, but God said, no, 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 no. I'm gonna hold you. I'm gonna put you back together. I'm your creator. I'm gonna redeem you. That's the beauty of Jesus. That's the beauty of Christianity. John three sixteen. for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. We didn't do anything to deserve redemption. Thus, there's nothing you could do to work for redemption. You could only receive it. If I gave you a brand new car and you didn't do anything to earn it, you still have to do something to take it. You have to receive the keys. Redemption's yours, but it's not yours until you receive it. Does that make sense? Y'all with me? Rebecca Hallberg says this, Redemption is not just about the survival of our soul. It's about the revival of a soul that was once dead. So we are created. Then we have a fall. And then we are redeemed. And that sounds like a beautiful story. And it sounds like there should be a period there. But there's not a period. There's a comma because God always does more than we could ask or imagine. And so God just doesn't redeem us. You know what he does? He restores us. All right. Some of you have no idea spiritually what I'm talking about. You're just like, how many did you make, Pastor? It's a, it's a very fair question. And I'll just say, I spent too long building Legos. That's all I'll say. God doesn't just redeem us. He restores us. You see, you and I, after we crash our lives, we can try. I mean, you go to any bookstore, there's a ton of self-help books. You can try to put the pieces back together, but you're not the creator. You don't know where each brick goes. You, you don't even know all the voids in your own heart to even acknowledge. But God does. 
And in this life, this is what he does. He begins the restoration process. He doesn't finish it. You're not completely restored in this life. That's what the next side of, uh, of eternity is. So on this side of eternity, he begins the restoration process. That's 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. And some of you know exactly what I'm talking about because you're like, I am a new creation. My neighbor knocked on my door and two years ago, I would have punched him. I would have gone off on him, but now I invited him in for dinner. Why? Because I'm a new creation. God is restoring me to my original purpose, to his original shalom. He longs to give me peace. He longs to give you peace. And he begins that on this side of eternity and he finishes it on the other side. Some of you, you've crashed and burned and all the pieces are here and you genuinely want to please God. You genuinely want to get better, but you're doing it wrong. Look at me real quick. Listen, listen, listen. What you're doing is you are taking all the pieces and you're trying to put your life back together on your own. And instead, what we should do is take all the pieces and put them on the altar. And say, God, I've made a mess. I can't put my life back together. Only you can. Would you restore what I have broke? Would you restore me to be in your image so that I can fulfill your purpose? There's an old TV show called Overhauling. I don't know if you remember this show or not. Chip Foose guy on the right, he, he is just incredible with cars. And what they would do is they would take these kind of older cars that look, most people think they're done, and he would go in and steal them. Literally, people thought they were stolen. Uh, they had no idea that they were actually part of a TV show. And he would find people that were deserving of just a complete makeover. He would take their car, give them some fake excuse. And over the course of weeks, him and his team would do everything they can to restore it back to its original beauty. To restore something is the process of returning something to its original condition by repairing and cleaning it. And that's what God does with you and me. He looks at that and he picks up the pieces. You see, this is what we see when we look in the mirror. This is what God sees. You see, Chip Fusta, he when he walks around and drives around and he sees cars, he doesn't see old clunkers. What he sees is potential. What he sees is how they were originally made. And when God sees you, he sees how you were originally created and he longs to restore you. Longs to restore you. You see, this isn't just history class. I'm also telling you what God does in the future. See, history is about what's happened in the past, but God says, I don't, I don't only control the past, I also control the future. And what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna restore people for my purpose and to their original form. Jesus didn't come to charge your life. He came to change your life. Stop trying to change your life and just let Jesus do it. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father God, Man, I've, I can't imagine how many teachers would echo my history teacher, like blown away that I was in a Christian bookstore. But that is what you do. You restore us 
after we have crashed and burned, you have restored us and are restoring us to our original shalom, original peace. You are our source of peace, joy, and hope. And if we look anywhere else, we'll be disappointed. So God, we thank you. Thank you for looking at what we could be and not not a bunch of broken Lego pieces on a, on a stage. God, I pray for that person that's here today, Lake County, online. They're listening. They're like, yeah, pastor, that's good, but you don't understand how bad I wrecked my life. And I would just say, God, help them to understand how incredible your love and your grace is. That's the point of the cross. God, thank you for creating us in your image, for redeeming us, and restoring us. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. 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 Thanks for listening to the weekly podcast from Journey Christian Church. If this message was a blessing to you, be sure to click the follow button and share it with your family and friends. For more information about Journey Christian Church, please go to journeychristian.com.